(laughs) 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 That's nice. How how will you do that, Allie? (laughs) How how are you going to convey that? That's that's Allie's problem. That's simply (laughs) Allie's problem. And Allie will have to deal with that. Um, So we were in the middle of a combat. Let's Mm -hmm. focus ourselves back towards that. Um, And I think regardless of where we were last time, I want us to step back to the Uhuru itself. The Uhuru is still on the ground. And as far as I understand, uh, still trying to load Pete onto the ship. There Mm -hmm. are... Pallets of peat, which have been covered up by um, uh, waxed canvas covers uh, to protect them from the rain. Some of this peat has been moved directly up to the ship. The ship itself has been warded uh, against uh, intrusion by the cutting stone. So within inside the ship itself, there are no members of the cutting stone that can cross that boundary. Um However, there's still a lot of peat that needs to be gotten aboard. The furnace uh, still needs to be stoked up to the point uh, where the ship can actually take off. And in the meantime, the crew is under attack from members of the Cutting Stone who cannot be seen by normal means. So we open Underneath sheets of pouring rain as lightning crashes to the ground and briefly lights up the night around the Uhuru, we see uh, the determined faces of sailors from around the ship heaving against uh, the pallets that hold the ship's future, that hold the potential for the Uhuru to take flight once more, the pallets of pitch uh, of, of turf of peat uh, that will burn in the furnace um, however they are also guarded they have weapons drawn stand standing pointing their blades around them at an unseen enemy that attacks from every angle I want to know who is playing whom and who's up first mm. we have a handful of uh, new people that we we have introduced that's uh, true <laughs> does somebody Great. want to take up being like bowser or carmen or some of the kind of like um kids who recently learned the the literal ropes in terms of working on the envelope um oh we have yeah. I, I have some notes here of uh of min 15 she her dramatic and moody uh, who sounds delightful. I, th- I think James was playing them before, yeah. but I, I, I would be I would be amused to be Min. 
Yeah, grab, grab, grab men. I mean, uh, you know, whomever you're grabbing, there's a mm-hmm. chance that they will be struck at and attacked by the cutting stone. Is 15 within the range to be struck at? Are we in teen drama range or are they still a well, baby? Well, <laughs> Tyler was 15 when he started doing all of his things. So I think Ooh. what we're making as a blanket political statement for the show <laughs> and every person on the show is if you're 15, it's okay if you die. And okay I to think- murder. There's there's like kids adventure and then we're in the kind of like teen venture (laughs) kind of space. Yeah, I do want to point out that our all ages podcast, like everybody is like 14 to 15 and like apparently the division between 14 and 15 is like 15. It's okay if you die. It's okay Okay. if you die and are exposed to all the terrible 15 year olds love the office. They're 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 okay to get (laughs) murdered. Great. Great. All right. I will take on being men then. I... Uh, would love to be Bowser. I don't know how, but I think it's going right. to. Well, I mean, as we've established in, in one of the, the recent episodes that came out, Allie just puts in Bowser sound effect. Great. So Great. you're good. Uh, I Great. love that. I will Hell describe. Yeah. Um, I am blank. Uh, out of game. I am blanking on some uh, one of the a kid's name. <laughs> so, so we want um, more kids. Um, we have I, a. Victor, who is tall, thin, gangly, and nervous, I also have noted down. We have Granny Softspot, who is uh, was like on the team for kind of re re engineering the 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 ship's direction. I think under under Johnnet. Granny Softspot was a JPC invention. Like uh, that's from, wow. from a while ago. Jeez. All right. Well. Uh, picking up the mantle. All right. So we have a bunch of peat that needs to be loaded on the ship. What are you doing? Loaded? Aren't we in the air? No. You're not in the still... air. The The furnace isn't even hot enough for the ship to take off. Uh, mm-hmm. uh. And you've got you've got a bunch of, as I established literally, Liz, in the narration that opened this episode, <laughs> you have what? pallets of peat waiting to be loaded onto the ship. Mm. I think when we, the last session was kind of talked to that there was something of a um, process line of mm-hmm. people moving buckets. And that might yeah. not be fast enough. Well, I think, I think after... the process line was to get the peat up to the furnace, which I think mm. that is faster. But okay. as far as the peat that you need to get into the cargo hold, because let's say you get in the air, it's mm. not going to matter if you get in the air for like an hour the and then crash yeah. right into the sea. Min, uh, who is in the line, goes, this is stupid. We need to go and get more peat onto the ship faster or whatever hey like hey kid i have an idea can you like do double duty for me or whatever (laughs) there's there's one like just big-eyed kid right behind the men and like yeah okay uh i don't think you should be leaving and then i assume men is already gone (laughs) Uh, and uh she starts making her way to the aviary on the ship uh to try Ooh. and uh, grab something to move stuff around. Mm. Uh, I guess as Min is on their way to the aviary, I guess in the the corridor, she like passes Granny Soft Spot, and Granny Soft Spot is like, "You're supposed to be getting the the peat on the ship. What are you doing? Whatever, fossil. Keep going. <gasps> Whoa, Min! <What? gasps> I have had it up to here with you. 
<laughs> and and so at that, uh, Granny very haughtily like trails after after men. I'll have you know, I am a contributing member of this <laughs> ship. And then like very very forcefully like clanking down like uh the a walk like a a cane that she has in her left hand. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like just a a tirade punctuated with clink 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 as we get further and further down the the hallway <laughs> i have been on this ship longer than you have i have seniority i have i am a contributing member yeah well if you want to contribute you can help me move pete from off the ship onto the ship or whatever uh granny goes silent for a quick second and is like are you sure this will work? Well, they've got to go and move all the poop and the hay on in the aviary, right? So I figure they have, like, I don't know, a wheelbarrow. And you can, like, <laughs> the, the, the sarcasm dribbles from the lips of men. <laughs> like honey. <laughs> We 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 see uh, uh, Granny's like grip tighten on her cane, and then she takes a breath. <sighs> well, if there's a wheelbarrow there, then then maybe there's also a, a shovel or two to to get the get the peat into the wheelbarrow faster. You think? Slow you down! I'm coming with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, uh, all uh, right. It sounds like we've got a plan there. Um, Liz? Up top. Bowser's going at it. So Bowser is standing next to a member of the crew who is like... The rain is pouring down. Uh, so this this guy's like in a long sleeve shirt that like water is like dripping off of his elbows. It's very dark out. So his normally like bright green shirt is harder to see in, in the darkness. But like when lightning hits, like you can see uh, he's got his bright green shirt and hat and uh, sort of uh, blue denim overalls mm. uh, that he's wearing. <laughs> And of course, he's got like thick gloves on each hand. The the rain is like very wet and slick on his face, just pouring off of either side of his large mustache. Oh, hurry up! But we got to go. <laughs> That's your name, Marco. <laughs> uh, there is no, no, no need to be so rude. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> You know that there is nothing more in the world that I would love than to to trust you. But after what you have done, and you have only uh, recently passed Gable's crash course in in piloting this ship, you you tell me that I am supposed to put my life and the crew's life in your uh, big hands? Is this is what you are going to say to me? The same big hands that have struck down my brother, my family, my heart. Bowser takes off the uh, a hat and shakes his his spines free of water that are dripping down his face and with a mournful look he looks at this strangely familiar <laughs> looking familiar Italian, but legally distinct, legally hey, distinct hey, hey, man <laughs> not a breach <sighs> Oh, <laughs> 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 
this gangly man steps forward towards Bowser. So his nose is almost like in contact with Bowser's nose as he looks up into this man's big and powerful face as, again, lightning strikes behind them. You will tell me that you are a man who is waiting on his hero moment. Then prove it to me, Bowser. You take that wheel, you take that wheel, and you will make this ship fly into the air. You will show me what kind of man you have become. Uh, And as he said this, he's drawn even closer to Bowser's face. Their their lips are nearly touching. Uh, these two. <laughs> we we, we, we cut to like like two people over and like uh oh, these will rolling eyes. Oh my god, <laughs> get a room, am I right? <laughs> uh, hey listeners, if you want to hear the real dialogue under that, subscribe to the Patreon for a special yeah, piece of that's uh, Patreon exclusive. Allie, you're gonna have to clip that and put that in a little bucket for Patreon, because uh, everybody else is getting Bowser noises. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, so, okay. Stands I've, straight and turns towards the wheel. Yeah. Uh, and, like, you could definitely tell uh, Marco was it. Marco mm-hmm. was, like, clearly bracing himself uh, f- for a kiss, and, and Bowser Bowser turns away. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, that scene goes on. <laughs> I've heard a lot of plans about things to do with the Pete and characters moving back and forth. It's time for some rolls, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Who, uh, so it sounds like Bowser is going to more or less try to, because what one of the the, tra- the progress track we have is for the furnace. Uh-huh. Uh, so Bowser is going to try and man the helm in a way that makes it more efficient for the furnace to take off. Uh-huh. So I'm going to want to roll there to tr- see what progress we can make. Uh, what are um, Bowser's stats? So uh, this is going to be using the Uhuru death chart. Uh, So Bowser is, oh, I haven't done the conversions over here yet. Mm. Um, To metric, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got to convert us over to metric real quick. So I'm going to go off the bat. You would be rolling with uh, one white D8 for the crew for Bowser. Now, you can overcommit Bowser to this task, which will significantly increase his risk, but it will get you um, another D6. I will overcommit Bowser for sure. Okay. Because of the drop, huh? Mm. All right. And so a D8 and a D6, right? Yes. And I will roll it. An eight on the eight and a three on the six. Okay, so that is, uh, you you get an opportunity and a fate. Uh, That fate can be used by any member of the crew. I am going to create a little fate pool here just so I can keep track of the crew's fate and remind you. Uh, And you get an opportunity that's not necessarily a success at what you are trying to do, but it is a general advantageous good thing that happens. So I'll give you some time to think of that. And a six on the six. Oh, that is another fate. Uh, And I have a failure. That was a three on the six. 
Oh, a three on the six. Oh, never mind. So that is a success uh, and a complication, but no fate. Um, you get a flat roll there. So it is time for me to consult the luminaries to see how you did. Oh. The union. All right. This, I think, falls very well in your favor. Let's see. Especially because we started this with a romance scene. All right. Fulfillment, harmony, wholeness, love, and community. Uh, the union favors harmony. Where there is a bond, the union grants strength. Uh, this power can stretch beyond any distance or barrier, and souls in the thrall of the union can find strength even if they are separated by death. However, the bond must be true without selfishness or cynicism in order for this power to work. I kind of feel Bowser has been trying to prove himself uh, to Marco. It it sort of feels to me like this does favor a success in this action. Liz, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> you say it's a success, but not on the thing that we were actually trying to do. Yeah. Well, so no, this is so you get an opportunity, which uh, that is an extra added benefit um, that has that is like adjacent to what you were trying to do, but is not directly. And the the luminaries have favored your success. So you will actually get I will mark a progress off of the ship towards taking off in the furnace. So I'm going to mark that. You also got a complication. So I'm marking a progress track on the storm as well as the storm is gathering and becoming more intense. Um, mm. But you you have made distinct progress towards the ship taking off. Uh, I would like you to, I mean, at least in my opinion, I, I think you, you could also describe a failure here if you prefer. No, I think the... Bowser succeeds in positioning the wheel and the getting the helm together in such a way that we are, whenever we're hot enough, we are able to get going as soon as possible. And I think what that also shakes out to, and you can tell me if that's right or wrong, is that any of our side wings that go in and out are providing a little bit of cover from rain to keep the peat from being wet. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, okay, yeah. So basically, I mean, we picture the helm mostly as the ship's wheel, yes. but it kind of makes sense to me that there must be also by it levers and whatnot to help in the operation of the side sails yeah. that, that we have described on the ships. And I don't know whether those levers actually control the side sails themselves or if they control signals to like crew below deck that is actually manning and pulling those side sails. But essentially what, what Bowser does is indicate that those side sails are actually supposed to be flipped up over the deck of the ship to provide as much rain cover as possible. Yes. Um, in this moment. Yes. I think that's really cool. So what happened is Bowser turned away from Marco. Marco, you know, stares at this man's back like intensely uh, with his eyes flashing like again lightning flashes. We can see his face and like the intensity and passion that is writ across it. And he turns very dramatically and moves over to the line of people working on the furnace and he grabs a shovel and starts shoveling peat into the furnace uh, and we can see like the coals and embers working in the furnace reflected in Marco's eyes as he is working in the drenching rain before the rain suddenly slows 
And Marco looks up and we can see one of the side sails has been flipped to cover like this shovel line by by the furnace itself. And he turns back and lightning strikes again. We can just see the silhouette of Bowser at the helm. Bowser whispers. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an idea for the uh, opportunity that you rolled? Uh, I would hand that down to the other oh yeah okay so that's right uh we we have this operation down uh with trying to get the rest of the peat onto the ship with Mm. a very surly teenager so yeah is that what what has happened that benefits your operation before you have to roll uh well aside from whether assuming that the tools that we're looking for are actually there um i think it's just um, Maybe that's it. The tools that you're looking for ha- yeah. happen to be exactly there. You have the right oh. tools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The door to the the to the the bird stables. I've been calling it an aviary. I don't know if that's it, the aviary right is what we call it. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Um, <laughs> the door to it is like kicked open entirely unnecessarily. This is the first time that we get a full body shot of Min, and uh, she is of course wearing uh, platform strapped up boots. She did not need to kick the door open. The door is not locked. Yeah, we can see like uh, a very startled Nodos who is saddling up uh, Metatron, like turn around to go, oh, Sovereign's body, you you frightened me, Min. Sorry. <clears throat> hey, do you have like a wheelbarrow? Uh, uh, I mean, yes, uh, here, this is what we use to take the feed and dung, you know, obviously between washes back and forth. What, what are you doing? Cool. Uh, does not answer the question, walks over to the, the wheelbarrow. It smells funny. I just said it moved bird feed and dung. I don't know what sort of olfactory experience you think that should provide, (laughs) but it's not great. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Min has this perfect teenager expression of kind of like, I'm embarrassed that I said something that has caused me ridicule, but I'm refusing to express that clearly. (laughs) Whatever. I'm taking this. The granny's taking a shovel. Uh, I was like, well, you're you're also taking the shovel. Uh, she takes the shovels and puts them in the wheelbarrow. Um, so, is there uh, is there any kind of like? There's got to be like a door that like releases that you know we release the birds out on um, mm-hmm. through. What does that sort of look over? Um, if you were to peer to the outside, is there any way that we can like chuck this wheelbarrow outside and just like have it be on the ground so we can load it up with peat? And yeah, I, I think so. In? Like the the cargo doors to the Uhuru are on the side of the ship, uh, yeah. so you know those are rolled open. And I have to imagine the uh, bird cages work in a similar way, where like you yeah. know they're they're barn style doors; they can roll open or close, mm. <laughs> or even okay. Uh, Metatron's being granny. Granny uh, turns to men and like, do you know how to fly one of these? And she points to uh, Flea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like, is there a way that we could just have one of the birds, one of the griffins carry the wheel- wheelbarrow down? 
Okay, now Mr. Gable is very particular about who touches their birds. I really don't think that this is the sort of thing that I can approve of or Min just is sit by. like patting the side of flea <laughs> eyes sparkling. <laughs> They're really cool. I wasn't oh, allowed yeah. to fly one unsupervised, but this is like desperate measures or whatever. Uh yeah, uh Min being a a uh, teenager, a teenage girl with problems, uh, and Flea being a a you know a beast that you ride upon. There's an instant connection forged mm-hmm. between the two of them. <laughs> Allie, you are gonna have to set off that horse girl alarm uh, for sure, because that's the situation that we're in. Mm. Yeah, we we see a shot of men reflected in Flea's eyes. Cool. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Granny turns to Nodoza. I know you have rank on me, but I have age on you. And this child needs to get down onto the land post haste. Okay, I will be 100% honest with you. I'm supposed to load up this bird because I've got a cool fight that I'm going to get to be a part of. Then and why aren't I'm you really doing excited for that. Why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you doing it? Yeah, why aren't you doing it, Nodoza? Okay. Make sure that the bird gets back in the roost. All right? I Just make sure it gets back. I can't get in trouble for this. I'm not taking the fall for this. <laughs> Granny turns to, to men and is like, Make sure that this way your bill gets to where it needs to go. I don't think it would be wise for me to join you. I would evaporate on the first flap of wings. I almost thought you were cool, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that that hits Granny, <laughs> and and we get a she turns around and we get like a, a completely different like moody low key lighting setup for for Granny is like where she just like remembers her her the days gone by of her like jousting and and like and being a a corsair in in her own light in her own story just (laughs) killing whoever fucking whoever just being the height of her her true self and then it comes back and like strap me in and she goes and and then hops on uh behind men Mm -hmm. okay so it sounds to me like we have an NPC role where where two NPCs have been committed to this task. Uh, mm. You are also enlisting the help of a bird. So I am going to say you are going to be rolling with one white D12 Ooh, and okay. one white D6. I am going to say you're going to be rolling with one white D12 Ooh, and okay. one white D6. Um, go get that D12. Here's one and a D6. That is a four on the D6 and the three okay. on the D12. All right. So you, it looks, I, I rolled uh, <laughs> 
four complications for you. You rolled an opportunity, but you also got a fate. So I have added that to the pool of fate uh, that can be accessed by the crew. Um, but there was no hard success or failure here, which mm. means we turn once again to the luminaries Mal, you're to decide. Luminary. Can you remind me what we can spend fate to do? Uh, fate can be used to upgrade roles uh, before you make them. Before um, we make them, uh, yes. Uh, they, you can also use it to activate abilities. Technically, the crew of the Uhuru doesn't have any abilities that we've mm. established for them, so they're mostly about upgrading dice. That's at fine. This point. Gotcha. And uh, I yeah. drew the changeling, which is uh, yearning, impulse, will, and transformation. Impulse uh, and will, you say? <laughs> yeah, I do think these favor uh, a teenager going on a horse girl journey pretty well. So I, I feel like this is a success. You did roll a bunch of complications, though, so that advances the storm quite mm. a bit. And it advances it to an interesting and really tense point, actually, as I'm going to mark off this. Uh, so the storm has now advanced by five slots, which I have written down here. The river swells high, which adds to the strength of the cutting stone. So now the I'm going to upgrade the cutting stone's ability to attack. Basically, what happens across the island right now, we have the Rasalka. The Rasalka is trying to contain the cutting stone as per the agreement with uh, the crew of the Uhuru. Mm -hmm. And we can see this river that is now like essentially cutting this island in half. And the Rusalka has grabbed hold of this river and sealed it away from the cutting stone as per her agreement. However, very quickly, the river starts branching and, and these deltas uh, start to emerge. And from those, much fewer, but members of the cutting stone start uh, moving out. So the Rusalka is grabbing hold of the rivers uh, uh, kind of as they come into existence. However, the cutting stone are forcing so many new rivers to appear that members slip through even as the Rusalka uh, stops them and grabs control. Mm. They are currently fighting for ways to get onto this island right now. However, this is a successful action. So Flea uh, is hooked up to a harness and uh, the the doors are rolled open to the Uhuru. Uh, I, I want to know how uh, is Min trying to... Now, this is Min. This is Minnie Singleton. Or is this a different person altogether? The note that I have down is that the character was Min, but it might be it might have been short for Minnie Singleton at the time. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess. There's the only way to know would be to remember the things that we have done before. I'm pretty sure this is a separate person that you just. But you did invent Minnie Singleton again. (laughs) Yeah, I found some old notes, and it's just like Minnie Singleton, Ned, Victor, and then Min. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. So Min is a separate person. Yeah. Great, mm-hmm. great, 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 great. All right. Just uh, a lot of yeah, sour fifteen like shots out of the out of the Uhuru. I think there is a big freewheeling like bank as it loops round to go back down to the earth, and we get like a. You know, like when a when a roller coaster passes by a camera and takes a shot at the people in the front row, or like those bits and pieces where there's been speedster characters in movies and we get a shot of their face 
as the rest of the world is kind of running super fast by them mm-hmm. of both Min and uh, Granny Softspot, their expressions probably similar actually. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's being flung <laughs> round and then next to with a surprising amount of uh, careful landing, Flea knows what it's doing. Uh, next to the kind of like pile of peat with the kind of uh, equipment already harnessed to flee so we can immediately disentangle that and start loading. Excellent. Okay, that that will put the Uhuru in great position to load up this peat. Mm-hmm. Now I turn to the cutting stone as there are members of the Uhuru crew who are desperately trying to get this peat loaded aboard the ship. And the cutting stone attacks from all angles. Mm. So I'm going to roll an attack here. And yes, that does hit. So it's time for me to roll on the death chart and see what damage is done. Wow. Red is going to be tens here. So we get a 31 on the death chart, Mm. which, okay. So I have established that inside the ship is safe. Mm -hmm. A question to you, because I want to be honorable about how this goes forward. (laughs) Above deck of the ship, I think, is still at threat. Mainly because that, yeah, it it would be wild if we just made the whole exercise not dangerous. So everybody who is above deck is also under threat. Mm -hmm. Because 31 on the Uhuru death chart is... Carlos. (gasps) Oh. Carlos moves down a hit point. Now, Carlos had more than one hit point, Mm -hmm. uh, being a character that Nathan controls and pretty important to the ship at this point. Mm -hmm. Nathan, I would like for you to describe for me a near-death experience that Carlos has at the hands of the Cutting Stone. Without special tools uh, that have not been revealed, they are not going to be able to see the cutting stone coming Mm. at them. What does this look like? Cool. I already know. I think we see Carlos in the process of trying to get the fire hotter and going. And there is heat emerging from here, but it's not enough to kind of get the ship up in the air. But suddenly Carlos feels cold despite the uh, increasing inferno in the furnace and a presence behind them and that gets them initially they wave it off as kind of, don't bother me this is important but the overwhelming chill stays and eventually they turn round just in time for uh, uh, the gust of air that is the air moving behind almost like a sickle or a scythe that can't be seen. And leaning back ever so slightly, uh, it slices through the bridge of Carlos's goggles and revealing both one very tired eye and a flower in the other socket. What? what? Uh, Whoa, a flower uh, in the socket? Pardon? Yeah, character development. In the um we we get a, a brief flashback to the the Forest Queen's lair where one of the rules of the Forest Queen's lair is that you cannot escape via the air. You cannot leave by climbing up. And uh Carlos tried and uh, pollen kind of invaded the the air around them. 
and it settled. Uh, it settled within uh, Carlos. Uh, uh, and they had not said anything about it. Wow. Carlos, no. A, blood wow. li- a, a bunch of blood red lycoruses kind of like has bloomed in uh, Carlos's right eye. Oh, oh that's God. so sick. That's so cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, oh, my. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> This is still a yeah. horror comedy podcast. Um, I'm about to say, Nathan, bring in, bring in the shit that will scar you. <laughs> uh, and uh, Carlos is breathes heavily, realizing that if they were uh, leaned in, if they didn't react, that would have cleanly sliced their face open. I think then there is a uh, an emergency slam on the wall from carlos and a gout of flame rips from the furnace outwards and passes and nothing else happens mm. in the space anymore carlos has no idea whether it got the thing uh, or whether it uh, whether it decided to kind of move away after that attack since it had been discovered i think um a a gout of flame like that uh Maybe it reveals the fact that a cutting stone is there to mm. people who cannot see. In uh, a cloud the, of the, ash the gushes from the furnace and it sits in the outline of a ghostly figure. And here's the thing, Carlos, that I that now that you have added this detail to Carlos, again, I, I think that the cutting stone cannot be seen by normal means. However, mm. The fact that you have a flower in the socket of your eye, I feel like through that, you can more clearly see. And maybe that was the thing that allowed you the indication that you needed to react or move. Mm, um, mm-hmm. You, It is clear to Carlos that the cutting stone is aboard the ship. You can see like the 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 ghostly silvery uh, lanterns of other cutting stones who are climbing up the surface of the ship to get on the top deck of the Uhuru. They're here. They're here. I need to keep working, but I need assistance immediately. I think it's time for us to cut over to Oromar, Jonnet, and Gable in front of the Rasalka, who is now commanding her power over the rivers that are forming on this island. Our deal is struck, Oromar Vale. I will assist you getting off this island if you in turn assist me in retrieving feathers being held by the Church of the Slain God. An accord has been struck. But for now... I must take my leave. My crew need me. Then I suggest you return to them safely. Hmm. Oromar turns to Gable. It's raining now. Uh, and has been raining quite for a while. And he looks at the palm of his hand, uh, the falconer's glove on it, connected to his jacket. Uh, he is wearing the uh, featherweave embroidered coat. Uh, but in this rain, it's impossible to use the lighter, uh, even if you brought a block of wood or something to kind of heat, uh, start the heating process. There's no way it would catch flame. Gable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
He swings the gloved hand to you like you would kind of catch in a, yeah, we're tough lads, like class <laughs> high five. The boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you catch the glove? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gable, I'm going to need you to burn for me. Uh, uh, Gable immediately catches his meaning. The whole thing? Just the hand. Unfortunately, under my current state, if you uh, radiate too hot, I might not survive. All right. John, if you want to step back a little bit, thank you. John, it starts backpedaling uh, very, very delicately. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fire away. I, I just want to see how big of a fire we can make because fire is probably good no matter what. So if I make a big one, then that'll help. But if I make a small one, that'll help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I got, I don't know. What is, what are my, what are my numbies? I think the difficulty of this is going to be one high stakes die just because we're in a high stakes situation. But this sounds like a magic roll to me. Yeah. I've got 4d4 or 4d8 on magic. So let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. 4d8 for reals? Yeah. Um, That's, I put everything in. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have anything else. (laughs) All right. So that is a seven, 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 and four. All right. Seconds. Well, it can only be lucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It looks like it is. Seven, 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 and four. (laughs) Liz, that is six successes uh, and an opportunity, I will say. I did roll one failure against you, so it's only five successes Mm. for this fire. Mm. And there is a complication to cancel out your opportunity and a spare complication. So that does go towards the storm getting more intense steadily and slowly. However, Liz, describe for me a five-success fire. What does this look like? Oh, golly. It's so wet. It's hard to know. So we. this is definitely divine fire, which has been described in the past as gold and silver flames. Mm-hmm. I gotta think that means that it probably behaves differently around water than other fire. I kind of feel like an angel like smiting a, a, a ship or something. You could definitely make the surface of water catch fire if if you wanted. This is a remarkably powerful and successful spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the way that it shakes out then is everywhere there is river. I I think Gable didn't put a lot of effort into focusing this so it was just they they snapped the glove and just tried to see what would happen that little little spark and then everything around them all the water around them kind of went up like gasoline and then oh yeah once that fire started really going gable like swipes it with the glove and sort of like dingles it back to oromar like is that is that is that what he wanted Mm. um I think the 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 heat uh, as it lands in Oromar's palm is, you know, hot to humans. And you can see that he's trying to not kind of yelp from how hot this is. Uh, I am going to say, here, here's what I'm going to do with this, because I, I like this. And this is a very successful role. So we see 
flames pour across all of the branches of the river mm. um, uh, that, that's on this island. Like in a bird's eye shot, suddenly there is this bright gold and silver line that like shoots across the island in the shape of all of these branching and emerging rivers. Um, but it has caught fire to this glove itself. Mm. I'm going to say divine flames uh, feel hot Based on the amount of sin that you are carrying <laughs> in your person and the things that you have done wrong in your life. So, I mean, Oromar being a pirate, there's probably a goodly amount of heat in Slow. there. But, like, ah. that's that's what's happening. Um, and it's not like it burns your flesh. Mm. It's not a physical danger it's to you necessarily. It's the sense of agony that radiates from it. Yeah. <laughs> but mm. yeah, it does fucking hurt a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you see his face contort with pain and he uh, bites his lip to not yell. It hurts. <laughs> and as you can see the pain wash over him. Equally, you can see the thin gold thread that is woven in to his coat pulse in golden light. The tail of the coat starts to kind of ripple as if caught by an updraft. Uh, Gable whispers to John, oh, that is so, so cool. Thank you. That's so cool. Nobody does it like the captain. Thank you, Gable. So kind of cool. After that action, Mm -hmm. the cutting stone that has made its way onto the island begins to circle in on your small group. Rusalka, now engaged with sealing them out from finding new ways onto the island, uh, is not able to combat them herself. Uh, Also, any sin carried within her soul is currently being measured against the judging flames uh, that Gable has poured across her river, which, you know, who knows if she's going to have something to say about that later. I think she does let out a scream of agony um, uh, as well. But the cutting stone. It's more about self perception than anything. (laughs) You forgive yourself, it'll be easier. The cutting stone moves around your group um, and they draw their knives. I need everybody to roll uh, a die in defense. Uh, Mm -hmm. The way that I think I'm having defense work in this game um, is you base have a D6 uh, Mm -hmm. to defend yourself, um, a white D6. if you are committing any efforts to it, you know, you can spend into it to turn it into a D8, or um, you can even upgrade it to a, a, a second D8. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it can only ever be a maximum of two D8s in defense. Mm-hmm. If we're going over uh, how we want to increase our die, I will want to spend one point of finesse mm-hmm. oh our, our point spends refresh each session yeah um right now uh this, so if you spent things last session they are still spent still we there. are still okay. part of the same combat um no also worries. i want to point out to liz and tyler you are also rolling defense right huh? now because mm-hmm. the cutting stone are attacking you as well
we return once again to the long line of prospective applicants standing in front of the skyship Uhuru. Uh, someone steps off that line, approaches the table of uh, audition reviewers, puts down headshots, resumes, and takes his seat on a stool. He is a short man with thick, dark, coarse hair. Uh, he's got a very thick beard and even thicker eyebrows that obscure his deep-set eyes at a distance. Uh, he's wearing a red flannel shirt that is half open to reveal a hairy chest. Great. Hello. And he smiles widely to reveal a tooth that, that is missing and has been replaced by a bit of well-shaped iron wood. Wow. Only one tooth missing. Okay. All right. How's it going, sir? Uh, Jealous. Jonert reaches out his hand to, to give him a, a handshake. Uh, beautiful day. Beautiful day. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, uh, what's your name, happy sir? Happy to be here. My name is Gregor. I do, to warn you, I do have a nickname, a bit of a nom de guerre. It's less professional than Gregor, so I'm more than happy to continue the interview being called Gregor. But right. if this is a casual environment, I'd be happy to tell you my nickname, my nom de guerre, and we could continue the interv interview that way, a bit more casual and comfortable, whatever you'd prefer. It feels like a bit of a surprise reveal. And to be honest, after uh, having met the last handful, I could do with a bit of drama today. So why don't we put a pin in that, and then maybe okay. we'll be able to guess as we go. Also, we have a member in our crew named Spit. So to be honest, oh wow, already, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit, uh, so that's very casual, very casual work environment there. What are you uh, trying to do when you join the ship? What's your uh, role that you're gunning for? Well, sir, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a shipwright. I am a carpenter. I love to work with wood. Uh, I feel very comfortable with that. I've uh, been doing it for many years. I work at the logwood camps. Uh, been doing a bit of lumberjacking for a long time. So Clearly. I- very comfortable there, but it is it is my passion. Wood is my passion. Working with wood is my passion. I'm very good at identifying different species and fibers of woods, mm -hmm. uh, knowing how to get the best out of whatever I'm working with. Uh, so I'd say uh, dedicated worker, hard worker. I am casual about it because it is what I care about most. Gotcha. Hence gotcha. the tooth in it. I guess you made your own tooth. Turning immediately to Gable, what's the odds that the name is about wood? I just wanted, I was just about to say, we. Uh, I was going to congratulate us <laughs> so much that we didn't, we didn't say a thing. We reacted in the most appropriate workplace way for the things that he said. And I just want to like give us all a good congratulations. I, and maybe, I am proud of us. I, I am think, proud of us. What if it, hey, if any further bait happens, let's not take it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> all right. Let's see if this is just a normal fella. I'm sure if Travis is just itching somewhere, just somewhere. screaming and he doesn't know why. <laughs> His anyway. hands are on fire. <laughs> Turning back. So your, your tooth was uh, your own custom work there now? Uh, oh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so not not much in the way of dentists out here, eh? So no. <laughs> uh, we we pretty much just have what we got to work with. The way that you describe that, uh, I, I'm curious. I have to ask. So, so do you spend a lot of time with uh, wood in your mouth? Uh, dentistry aside. Okay, so I guess here's the truth coming out. So <laughs> now I know I described the way I work with wood as casual. 
Uh-huh. I would say I described it as almost extremely casual in certain circumstances. Yes. Right, I, right, right. It's not that I don't have woodwork and tools. I do. I do. Okay. Okay. To be honest, they don't interest me. I don't see the challenge. I don't see uh, the reward in woodworking to be working with the tools, you see. Okay. Right. Where is this going to land? I, ho- I hope I it do most end. of my woodworking with my teeth and mouth. Now, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, I okay. prefer to do it in private. It's not a public thing, okay? This is something that I do in private. So, I would cordon off. You give me a couple weeks, I'd build myself my own shed within the ship privately back there. I'd be gnawing at whatever boards and planks we need to work, eh? Okay. Okay, so that's uh-huh. not going to be a problem. People aren't going to be seeing. I'm not going to be bothering people with it. And I know most people have a follow-up question immediately, so I'll answer that right away. Yes, uh-huh. I do have different sets of teeth for different jobs that I might need to be okay. doing with them oh. that I just slide uh-huh. in. These are my casual teeth. These are my interview teeth. Most okay. of those sets of teeth are iron wood. Yes, so if there were a fire situation, again, you wouldn't have to worry. My teeth yeah, 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 would not be, be a fire hazard in yeah, that yeah, circumstance, yeah. but I am going to be doing a lot of the woodworking with my mouth. Okay. We, we've, okay. we've had a lot of staff members with, uh, shall we say, pride privacy issues so sure. uh, the mm. fact that you're willing to uh uh do your work behind closed balsa wood doors is appreciated mm-hmm. um I'll sounds like you're a bit of an eager beaver is, that's uh, a very soft wood yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah you Just... replace as many stuff as we do you learn to work with the the barest of materials you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um okay then i don't think bear is the issue here uh john <laughs> John, you you go, because if I start asking questions, I'm not going to stop. Okay. All right. Well, I just, so to be clear, if you if you would be so kind as to give us a, a, a show us your teeth again. And uh, <laughs> so he does smile a bit wider, like, like the wiry hairs on his face, like move out of the way. And <laughs> you can see teeth uh, that you, a lot of them are supplemented with wood. Um, there are some natural teeth remaining, but they've been worn down after years and years of gnawing and chewing away at uh, different types of wood. And these are your interview teeth. This is your best foot forward teeth. This is my best foot forward teeth. Again, okay. you know, I've been caught out in pretty remote places. It took a long time to even get ironwood out here. Yeah, a lot see. of what we have to work with up here, or down here, I should say, is pine. So, mm-hmm. okay, so, you can imagine. Okay, I'm going to, I have a, I have a question, a comment, and a guess. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> question. Because it seems like this is just part of the subtraction part of woodworking, the adhesion and creation. I would mm. have questions well, about what you do with the that's the interesting thing about woodworking. Oh, a no. lot of people imagine that you need to use a lot of screws and bolts out of iron. If you get your joints right, you know, it's all wood to wood. It's all, it's all, all it's using all wood to wood. just natural shapes that you've carved in so that they fit each other nice and, nice and snug. Mm-hmm. And the comment... This doesn't seem, and pardon my phrasing, you say it's casual. This doesn't seem sensual for you. This just seems like a <laughs> an internal sort of natural impulse. That well, yeah, I'd say almost instinctual for sure. Instinctual. Yeah. Um, All right. Not not uh, not a sensual thing. I'd say. No. <laughs> I'm going to circle us up. All right. So my guess, 
I'm going to, uh, we can go around and make our equivalent guesses and we'll see who's right. I think this person is a secret beaver. Well, I mean, I also, you know, I was picking up beaver vibes, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so I I'm, I'm guess I'm throwing my vote behind secret beaver as well. Well, I got to commend. I got to commend everybody uh, on the panel. Uh, I feel like you seen through me. You know me. That nom de guerre is the beaver. That there is we what go. I have mm-hmm. been called. Yeah, and yeah. it is related to how I work with wood. So. To be honest, I was expecting so much worse. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I have one more question before I throw you a big old thumbs up, uh, because we we love craftsmen here on the Uhuru. We do. Um, what's, what do you think the remaining shelf life on this, uh, on your woodworking set of teeth are? Because... You know, they're in a lot of different states of worn downedness and like it might be hard to sure. find new yeah. ironwood. So like what's the lifespan that you got on the set that you have right now? Well, that largely depends on the type of wood that I'm going to be working with. You know, if you got a hardwood aboard that's like, you know, say a, a black walnut or or, or a mahogany, uh, something like that, that'll wear out my teeth right quick, you know. <laughs> um, uh, but if we're working with your softer woods, again, your pines uh, or especially your balsas, a good set of chompers can last me quite a bit of time. Okay. Okay. I, I do believe we have a... A solid apprenticeship available for you if you are uh, willing to work under our key members of staff uh, as, a, as a bit of a trial period. I do believe we have uh, something available for you, mate. Well, then, uh, I, I, I would be honoured. I'd be honoured to uh, to get some Uhuru wood in my mouth for sure. Okay. Uh, you and a whole bunch of other people, as uh, far as I understand. <laughs> you know right. what? You know what's happening. What? A, what a perfect fit! All right, <laughs> good to meet you. <laughs> Get on board. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. In the universe of Star Wall Odyssey, space is made out of the collective imaginations of all the thinking beings who live on various planets. These worlds are connected to each other through imagination. Common themes and ideas are strings between universes. And to get between them, people fly wooden ships that look like animals, which are powered by emotions. Also, people communicate with each other by contemplating orbs. The only way you can take pictures is getting stared at by a big psychic bug. And people have already declared victory in a war over the very concept of evil. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Starwall Odyssey follows the adventures of the hapless inhabitants of the Lucky Finn Tenement Building, who suddenly find that their apartment is actually a spaceship, and that they're lost in a sea of boundless imagination. It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Allie Grauer, and Drew Merzieski, as we playtest the No Kings system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. It toes the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high-flying space fantasy. You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Star Wall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app, or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com.
Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Tyler is on strike alongside his fellow members of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. You can support Tyler and other striking artists by contributing to the Entertainment Community Fund, linked in our show notes. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT, or streaming at twitch.tv slash The Neoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my podcast, one shot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky